I don't know how you're gonna keep from tap dancing your way through that uh, 5k of yours today. I, I don't know how I'm gonna make it through the 5k today. You have chosen quite a spectacularly awful day to go on a run. It's wet, it's cold, I have a headache, and I'm just over being a cold. But it's okay. You're going to do splendid. I'm going to trudge my way through. And I'm going to be watching you every step of the way on my phone from the comfort of our warm house with a pint of cocoa. (laughs) Yes. And then I'm going to celebrate with Olive Garden. Carbo load. Oh, I can't wait for that. Yum. <laughs> She's Elizabeth. He's Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. I want to I wanna thank you, Aaron, for letting us do another book versus movie. Well, we kind of ran out of ideas and time to ne- try to do something Aaron, else. Never say that in front of the audience. <laughs> <laughs> never say that we're low on ideas. I think they've come to expect that. Oh, Aaron. What are you saying? 30 episodes and there's nothing left for us to tap at all, ever? Oh, God, no. There's still plenty of plenty of material out there. I think we were bad because we finally finished season two of Stranger Things and said, we can't do a podcast on this. Dang it, we gotta go find something else to watch now. <laughs> what are we gonna say about Stranger Things? It was good. <laughs> it was dark. I hated the antagonist. Uh, <laughs> Smoke monsters really just need to get out of here. Just get on out of here. It's 2018. You can't be. Ain't no smoke monsters allowed anymore. <laughs> So, uh, well, why don't you give them an introduction to what we are talking about today? Okay. Uh, you mean I have to tell people exactly what it is we're doing? They can't just infer from our inflection and tones that we're talking about? I don't even know what we're talking about, and I just watched this with you. <laughs> we are going to talk about ballet shoes. Um little bit of backstory for those who don't know much about us. Oh, by the way, this is a podcast where we compare pop culture, movies, books, etc. I used to be a dancer. I used to dance my little tushy off ever since I was three years old, uh, right up until I graduated college, actually. And for a little bit after that, I taught. I haven't danced in a very long time, but whenever I see dancing on TV shows or movies, I always have little flashbacks about what it used to be, what I used what I used to do in my life. So we were walking through our used bookstore and we found McKay's, McKay's shout out. McKay's shout out. For those who don't have McKay's, it's really cool. We were walking through the DVD section looking for something to watch and I saw a copy of a movie called Ballet Shoes and I said Aaron, this is weird. Ballet Shoes is a book. I read it as a kid growing up. I have the very old battered copy from my home library on our library shelves. You think it's the same thing? Maybe. We take it off, and there's Emma Watson on the front and three sisters, all with ballet shoes. I'm like, this is the book. I didn't know that they made a movie off of this. The BBC made a movie off of this, which is fine because it takes place in... England, so it's okay that that happens, but I just had no idea that this movie even existed. For those of you who don't even know the premise of Ballet Shoes... Like normal people? Like normal... Well, it's a... It's a... Oh, what would you call it? It's not even escapism. It's just this slice of life about three young orphan girls who all grow up together as sisters trying to make their way. And they all go to this dance school to train to be dancers, to dance on stage and earn money for their house. We'll get into the particulars, but 
I think there's something so charming and nostalgic for me about the book. And it was fun to see that there actually was a movie based off of it. This wasn't the only movie they made of this book. No, really? Yeah. In fact, um, I was reading on IMDb as I pull it up. They're, one of the people in this version, their mother was in the 1970s version. That's so sweet. Let's see... Amelia Fox plays the part of Sylvia Brown in this adaptation. Sylvia is the caretaker who Sylvia herself even has a nanny who she calls Nana. Uh, Amelia's mother, Joanna David, played the part of Theo Danes in the 1975 B- BBC adaptation of the same story. That's really interesting because this book was published back in 1937. I know, right? So it was literally a, a slice of life of the time because this was definitely pre-war, mm-hmm. uh, pre the big one. Yeah, exactly. We are, you know, again, I feel we're going to go spoiler free, but I'm not really sure there's a spoiler sort of anything with this particular movie. If there Here's is your something. Spoiler. Everything comes up P. And when <laughs> I say P, their name is, their names are uh, Petunia. No. No. Oh. oh, boy, babe. Come on. Name the three girls' names. Um. Don't you look at your phone. Paisley, Petroff, and Poker. Not even close. Uh, Parsley, Rosemary, and Sage. You forgot time. Time. Uh, I will give you one dollar if you can actually name their names. Um, I know the youngest is Posey. Unfortunate, but true. The Yeah, the middle one is... It's uh, it's a Russian. It's uh, Petkov, Petrova, Petrova. No, I, I'm. I'm oh, you are losing hard. that dollar. I'm you have gotten thirty three cents so far. Thirty three, thirty three point three 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 cents. No, you okay? So, and who is the oldest? Played by Emma Watson. Pauline. Yes, it is. So it's Pauline, Petrova, and Posey. I see I got sixty six point six 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 seven cents. Alright, I'll I'll leave up uh tear up that dollar bill for you. Yep, totally. Yeah, you're totally ripping up a dollar bill. Do you like do you like my sound effects? Are they better than my accents? Yeah, they really were. The I really want to get Aaron's impression because for me a lot of this is seeped in nostalgia and i feel like he's gonna make me cry i will say that these are not neither of these adaptations well no i would say the book and the movie neither are oh not even like wrinkle in time classics i would say that these are it definitely is around because this book came up again you know, movie after movie was made about it. It's lasted since 1930s, so I feel like it's still worthwhile. Um, but I do want to hear what Aaron, overall, as a man who does a not man. care two wits about young girls' story arcs and dancing, what he thought of Ballet Shoes, the movie. Are you sure? Well, do you want to go step by step, or do you really just want to smack me over the head? You know, let's keep this short and sweet. Let's let's smack you over the head. This movie, uh, you know, truth be told, the movie wasn't terrible. Uh, I think it did okay with the um, source material. But I think the source material is very... <sighs> What's the term I'm looking for? 
all American girl, like American girl porn. From the 1930s? Like the American girl dolls, like how like it's so buttery sweet. The was the American girl Kit Kittredge movie. Uh, like that level of just uber sappy sweetness. Wow, that is a that is a different interpretation than I got. I, I guess let me let me preface all of this or put an asterisk on that, saying this movie is not bad. Like I could honestly see like schools putting this into um, like a curriculum or like a, a teacher saying, okay, we're gonna learn about either filmmaking or we're going to learn about the story. It could be like a, like a, even a literature English class. Like this book has been around since the 1930s. It's nearly 100 years old. And, you know, this movie was made in 2007. So even the movie is older. You know, I could see, I could easily see like a, a high school or middle school teacher because none of the themes are dumbed down nor are they um stretched up to be more adults you know like oh my goodness you know she's dealing with body issues or you know the this guy is um you know having his way with young women or i will tell you this has been a first movie in a very long time perhaps not a very long time but it feels that way to me where it immediately passes the bechdel test there are like two dudes in the entire movie that have like legitimate yeah, roles. Like, I, yeah, I think there's like five guys and five or six guys in the entire movie. Like, this is something that a stage play could put on and be okay because most of the time you have a certain amount of guys and you have way more girls than you have roles. That's always the problem. That is a high good school. point. This would be a great thing to put on. That's always been because uh, I remember in high school, our uh, our professor, shout out to uh, Mr. Best. He always said that the one of the hardest struggles that he had was that he always had these all these amazing young female actresses who like he wished he could put in roles but didn't have roles for, you know. And, and then he'd put me in a father role because for some reason, even though I was the youngest of a bunch of these things, I always seemed the oldest. Probably because of your dad jokes. Probably. This movie isn't bad. It's not badly made. The acting isn't terrible. There is some um production quality issues that it I, feels uh, very much bbc oh yeah i kept waiting for the doctor to come out and say not not to worry they film very well they have great camera angles and someone shots. had a little fun with that yeah it's always for me the bbc has weird editing and that's for me where i see like it's not even a dip, dip in quality it's someone saying what if we layered three shots on top of each other with a fisheye and see what happens yeah and there's there's a couple of those shots the the old eldest girl played by emma watson becomes an actress and she uh her first big part is alice in alice in wonderland and there's this weird shot that goes on for way too long of her surrounded by playing cards from above and i will tell you in dance a lot of movements of a large group of dancers are choreographed as if you were looking from above not because people see it from above because if you have a pattern that you're following it is visible to the audience even if they're on eye level and not above it still translates as a very particular specific movement so if you're doing some sort of like figure eight movement from above the people in the audience are still able to understand the motion okay i've compared it i think to being 
on a band that plays on like the football field from yeah. above they make these certain portions but if you were on the floor it would still be impressive to see everyone moving in unison hmm. and it's that's i mean that's a good point it's still a weird ass shot it's though. still very weird and it goes on for way too long and at one point they like zoom in on emma watson and the quality dips because they don't have enough pixels because they didn't actually zoom with a the camera they just zoomed in on the shot exactly so that's this really strange that you could definitely tell like because this was Emma Watson during her Harry Potter days. This is 2007, and uh, 2007 was when the last book came out. So I think they're on like the fourth or fifth movie. Wow, it has been a long time. It's been a long time, and you could definitely tell they were playing that up. Because there's some other decent. Well, no, there's one other decent name in there, uh, again, from Harry Potter. I know, and that's so weird, but I'm yeah. very certain it's because the BBC just keeps playing the same cast of actors in different roles again and again and again. Like, there's... And I think You would if, be surprised at how many connections... I mean, because even though Moffat is the guy, you know, the direct connection between the two, but you can make some direct connections between Doctor Who and Sherlock. I know. And I wonder, perhaps, sometimes, if someone who was not American came here, they would find the same thing. Like, he used the same actors every single you're, time. You're, but, you're absolutely right. I mean, look at some of, like, the television people that we have. Like, there's, like, one guy who's been in almost every ABC show or you know there's like nbc people or something like that you're absolutely right and maybe because it's we're not as used to it we don't see it as much but i what i definitely felt like emma watson they try to play her up up and center as much she didn't do a bad job i don't think she like i didn't feel like she demanded it or anything like that which still makes me like her but i definitely felt like the director was like okay emma watson is our biggest name she needs to be pretty prevalent in every shot. She's not direct center in every shot, but you notice her every time she's on screen. It's so interesting that you say that. For me, I felt that like they did a very good job of balancing all the stories. There were points when it was 10 minutes of you didn't even see the girls at all, and you were with uh, Gummy trying to figure out how she was going to, you know, did she really love this man, and was she going to keep the house together, and the borders and then it'd be like oh yeah and the girls are here too i felt like they juggled a huge cast honestly pretty well yeah i'm and again i'm not gonna say that they did a terrible job they didn't do an amazing job but they didn't do a terrible job <laughs> it was a pretty average production what got me was uh the product some of the production quality of things specifically emma watson who is a natural brunette kind of a darker to mid-tone brunette is blonde in this movie and you can definitely tell she's died and the youngest one posey is also not naturally a redhead and is definitely died you can actually see it on her scalp at times <laughs> i feel like aaron based on the events of today you are perhaps just more partially. prevalently tuned to noticing hair dye jobs Par partially i think that helped uh bring that <laughs> forward um i didn't think this was a terrible movie but i certainly got bored during parts of it and, and it's not like a because it was terrible or it was so bad that I just couldn't get through. It's not like a Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm just getting on with it. It's just a very kind of long-winded way of storytelling, I feel like. I, this, I could be wrong. I'm not no, the target no, audience. I, I like your point. I think that it's worth talking about the book because the movie follows this pretty closely. It hits most points. It hits your characters. It hits your lines. 
I do think it falls at the beginning into the trap of this was made for fans of the book, so it yeah, runs through it, a few too many characters just a little too fast, and you're like, what is happening? Yeah, so in the first five minutes, you go from a girl and her nanny on a, like, an automobile, uh, driving up to this random house in London, and and oh, there are you, no studio credits at the beginning of this DVD. Oh, yeah. By the way, there's it just no jumps right in straight to the movie. So I guess one lesson. Yeah, and then they uh, uh, jumps in. This girl goes in there, and the nanny's talking to the guy. You are her only living relative, and she needs to live with you. I have no room, but you have this entire house. Yes, but it's 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 almost a museum to all these artifacts. He's a paleontologist. Well, why don't you sell some of these? So you make room because in like, and if you want to tell her that she can't live or tell her, don't, but uh, you know, dance around the. And issue. he's, you can tell he's just out of his depth because he says she wouldn't be happy here. Why would any little girl like living here? And then she hears this and says, "My parents are dead. I won't be happy anywhere." And he's like, "Okay, yeah, and, <laughs> you can come." <laughs> and. And then, like, they kind of, like, grow a bit of a bond, and he goes on a trip, comes back, brings her a thing, goes on a trip, brings her back a thing, and then, like, he gives her a skeleton for Christmas, like a, um, uh, what are those called? A fossil? Fossil, um, pa- um, there's another word I'm, I'm forgetting at the moment. She considers herself sort of a paleontologist assistant because he teaches her all these things like, about this it. Would have easily, this eas- that easily could have been the movie right there. This, this entire relationship between the two of them. But instead, what happens is he's bringing back these gifts. And again, you think like, oh, okay, this is a... I, I kind of am following the story. This happens in like minutes. I'm not, and not even like five minutes. It's really quick. Because when this book starts, this book starts with the girls grown up walking down the street about and complaining about how they can't get a taxi. And then it does backstory about how all the girls came to be here. So they, in the movie, swap it so you have your backstory first, making you think, ah, oh, this is what the movie is about, and then throwing you into the main story. If you didn't know what this, was go- what this movie was supposed to be about, you'd be confused. Like, I thought the title of this was Ballet Shoes. What does this have to do with a girl moving into a paleontologist's house? And it, it it rushes through the the I guess it rushes through the setup with sitcoms. The whole thing with sitcoms it's a situational comedy, and there's usually some sort of setup. One of the mo- one of the more recent ones that I thought of, or that I liked or kind of thought it was interesting was uh, Grandfathered in or Grandfathered or Grandfather Up or whatever it was. It was John Stamos, Josh Peck, and. Um, uh, one of the pop stars, Sierra or whatever, um, where this guy finds out that he has a son. The son is grown, and the son just found out he's a father too. So it's I I, I didn't I've not had a chance myself to watch it, but if I've heard it's pretty funny, um, kind of cute, and I love Josh Peck, anyways. Uh, but they that's a situation. And it takes, you know, at least a few episodes to set up the situation. This movie sets up the situation in, like, two minutes. And you absolutely feel the rush of it. So you're like, what the hell? What? What? Okay. Okay, so he's gone. Okay. She's spinning the globe to show that he's on a, on a trip. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, she's a little older now. Oh, nope, nope. She is a woman now. Okay. What's going on? Oh, the guy brings a random baby in a suitcase. Hi, baby. 
Um, oh, nope, nope, the baby's not the focus anymore because he brought another baby two years later. And she, uh, she's in arms. Okay, and and nope, nope, here's a third baby that was shipped here. Um, (laughs) it's so much more charming in the book. Um, this collector and traveler who's just sending home babies that he finds randomly, not stealing them, just like, this baby had no parents. What was I going to do? All right, so you take care of him. Bye-bye. Uh, check, please. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. This this movie rushes through. And it, it's so funny because af- having watched the entire thing, it rushes through the beginning, and then for the rest of the movie, it feels like it drags its feet. It's not too slow like that pause it's not too slow (laughs) but it is it is slowly paced and there are times when it like rushes through a scene but then there's times it drags its feet it's not a it's not poorly paced like wrinkle in time was poorly paced Mm -hmm. like they needed to work on that pace before they put it out to uh to be finished uh but with this one, it's not poorly paced completely. It's just it needed to do different. It needed to do scenes differently, like cut a little sooner on scenes or have it go through just a little quicker. Mm-hmm. Like the scene, um, the oldest actually becomes a, an actress on film, and there's a scene where she it shows her going through and becoming, you know, getting her lines correct, and like that scene was okay, and then the scene follows. With her, like, talking to Gunny and Nanny really quickly. And, like, oh, oh I, if you don't like the dress, then you shouldn't have made it. Then ran off. And then, like, and she's like, I'm terrible. I'm a horrible actress. Everyone's going to figure it out. And, like, that's the end of the scene. And then the next scene, they're, like, just kind of talking and taking their time. It's 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 a lot. It's a weird, like, uh, fast forward and, you know, half speed throughout most of this movie. They do trim out, for your edification, they do trim out a lot of other productions that they're in and parts on their journey, I guess because they weren't quite essential to the overarching journey. The overarching story, I'd say, is Three Young Women of Ambition, which honestly is something I don't... I know, Okay, so... Ambition. That's what right. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't see a lot of movies where they where the young female protagonist is unabashedly wants her goal. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that for me? Just to make sure that I don't well, name attack. Me. I don't take this. I don't attack this in the wrong sense. I would love to hear. I, I'd like to hear examples. So it's not that they don't do this ever. It's not often that you see a, fe- a young female protagonist, her journey being about getting what she wants, no matter the cost. How many movies do you want me to name you right now? We can go through them if you'd that. like. Go for it. Uh, Harriet the Spy, K- Kittredge. I mean, there's any... I feel like any movie that's made for a preteen slash younger teenage female that's aimed at that, that's been made probably since 95, has been made with that mindset. I feel like I've seen movies about that, and I can't even name them, I, I, but I, that actually feels like a cliche to me, because I feel like I've seen so many movies like that. 
Like, have we just not seen the same movies or something? <laughs> if we haven't, this podcast is slowly derailing. <laughs> How about this, then? It's interesting to see the faults in those characters. Think about a Pixar jaunt. Think about Coco or Brave. Think about Brave. So she wants to be her own independent woman. She doesn't want to marry anyone. She wants to archery. She wants to ride her horse. Can, can I? Can I? Can I do one? Uh, one quick derailment. We were talking about Brave and seeing the flaws. So to help you remember, the part in Brave where she's like, "I will shoot for my own hand." Mm-hmm. That moment should have been a hell of a lot bigger than it was in the story. Well, Aaron, we had to get ready for the mother bear. I know. That made no sense to me. Like, they had this, like, epic, like, story of this girl who basically said, you know what? I'm going to shoot from my own hand. Therefore, it's my own decision. Yep. And then it gets completely just thrown on the rug. So here's what I'm saying. In that story of Merida in Brave, you think it's going to be a story about her pursuing her passions. But in the end... It says, no, you're actually supposed to be a doting daughter. You're supposed to do what's best for your country. Mulan has the same thing. I want to do the things that I want to do. I don't fit in. And in the end, I bring honor to my family. They still manage to wrap it up in a nice package that suggests you still got some of your independence in there. But in the end, you're supposed to return back to family. The flower that blooms in diversity. Adversity. Adversity is the most beautiful of all. Sir? You won't find a girl like that every dynasty. (laughs) So my point is that most young, I won't even say female, young protagonist stories start with the protagonist saying, I want to do this thing. I want to go to the surface. I want to be part of this new world. I want to sing and play guitar. I want to not marry a person I've been betrothed to marry. I want to I want to save my aunt's house and uh, pretend to be in a rock band where I hide my identity by putting on a little bit of makeup and and then my, I'm gonna have my two adopt or three adopted sisters and oh there's also a robot so at the end there's always the I, I'm not even gonna dignify that reference with the title of that it knows what it did I think that most young do they truly they do truly know shut up uh they definitely do there is something about a young protagonist film or that implies that at the end they're going to learn a lesson which is ambition is great but family is most important and then they'll the family will either change their tune or the kid will change their tune they may get what they want but they learned that it really wasn't the best idea for you to just go after that the better thing would be to compromise this movie doesn't feel like there's ever a compromise in the end goal. They definitely compromise by earning money through their acting and dancing. They definitely want to help their family, but when the chance comes for their dreams, they seize it and they say, yes, I'm going to California. Yes, I'm going to Prague. I am going to get the thing that I wanted and I'm going to make it a reality. You mean they seize the coincidences that happen to happen to them? Exactly. Aaron, do you not find that the women, the young girls, work really hard to achieve the things that they want to achieve? I, I will admit that I felt like they didn't just stumble across these situations where... You know, one wants to be an aviation pilot, one might want to be an actress, and another wants to be some sort of dancer. I, 
I see that they put effort into it and the, that they do that, but you have got to admit that most of the things that happen to them are by coincidence or by happenstance. I think that is a product of when the book was written. Yeah. It feels like it feels like a nice way to wrap things up, but like they don't find their f- parents. They uh. You mean that I can. I can go and be a star, and I get to be a pilot, and I get to be a dancer. Oh, this is wrapped up, and our dog is still alive. Come here, Fluffers. <laughs> like, it's like, it's a Scooby, it's like kind of a Scooby-Doo-esque ending where everything gets wrapped up in a nice little bow. And, and I understand that that is a form of storytelling, that is a form of storytelling that I like when it's done right in this one it's like oh it just so happens that one boarder comes in and he owns a garage and he has a really nice car so he's gonna help one learn more about engines oh another set are uh shakespearean and uh, mathematician experts so they're gonna help them through their studies and give them lessons oh another one just happens to be a world-class dancer like seriously like this I think it's kind of fun. I mean, Coraline does the exact same thing when you go in Coraline. What do we say about coincidences? Fate is you rarely so lazily. Lazy. (laughs) Good God, man. You didn't need to expedite it that much. (laughs) Grr, arg. Voice. Scare me half to death now. I think that the movie applies the same sort of young adult tropes that we see in movies like Coraline. There are two sisters in the basement that used to be actresses. There's a ringmaster in the ceiling. There but that is. Doesn't, but that there's a difference between that and the way the 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 story. Uh, produces these people these people are their own characters like the um the two sisters in Coraline are two old aged films or uh or sorry circus or stage stars but I didn't feel like they were put there simply to be characters in this I felt like they were naturally there anyways and the the old circus guy like I honestly felt like they were there because that was their home. This one, it's like, hey, here, by the way, um, here's a situation where they can't afford to live there, so they're going to rent out rooms. Oh, by the way, this guy is rich. By the way, these these women are uh, teachers. By the way, this person happens to know a school for dance and well, stuff like that. I think you're mistaking coincidence with help. We have these random sort of people who would be the kind of people who would need a boarding house. All come by happenstance to stay here, and they meet the girls. I think it's more so for Gummy than it is for the girls that they see her working so hard to keep this house running, to raise these girls who aren't even hers, um, and be a family for them. And because of that, these people, the the two uh, professors, they aren't teachers. They just are studying learned, and they're like, we would like to teach them and share what we know. Yeah, and they're not anything else. Not a th- single th- other thing. I think that I don't know. Perhaps the movie took liberties. I didn't have a problem with it. There were always two uh, professors who were rooming. So it was, I don't know. It, it could be something from, you know, the sign of the times today. Or it could have always been that way. And I just didn't read the subtext. Hard to say, but I don't think it's, you know, worthwhile at that point. It doesn't really push the envelope or say anything. Or True. Um, I do think that the characters, it's not so much coincidental as much as 
kindness. And I, I understand that, um, but life rarely works that well. Well, Gummy even says it like sometimes I think that these borders are sent from heaven because it is amazing how it all worked out. And I've seen enough miracles happen in my life and my family's life that I know that it can't always be coincidence. Sometimes it's just really great for things to work out the way they work out. I, I, I'm not a disbeliever in miracles, but it's just when, when you're telling a story like that, it's it's harder to believe that kind of set of miracles. Oh, I happen to uh, run away and I find the school and the guy says he's going to teach me. Oh, I happen to get a film film deal for five years in California, which is a milder temperature zone than in rainy, foggy London, where she's getting sick. Oh, it is so happy. It's like... It, <laughs> it really if, bothers any, you. It, it doesn't... That's the thing, is it's not... It's not, like, the biggest problem, but it is an issue. Um, it's kind of... I will admit, it's kind of nitpicky. All right, well, what's a different issue, then? What's another issue that you may have had with the movie? Because I had issues when I read the book about certain characters. Um, I think you mean like Posey. Yeah. So here's okay. Oh, that was a joke. I, I didn't know that was no. Gonna... Um, this book it's written so in the movie too. They both have the girls with flaws. All the girls are not just perfect angels you can cast yourself as. Every single one of them has a dilemma or a flaw that's part of their character. I find uh, Posey to be the least likable and yet probably the most ambitious and likely to achieve her dreams of anyone there. I don't sympathize with her actions, but I also find that it's refreshing to have a character that isn't always rainbow sunshine and has to learn a lesson. She does not atone. They all kind of learn a lesson, maybe with the exception of uh, Petrova. uh, Petrova. (laughs) Petrova. Um, I think she's probably the only one that doesn't, like, learn a lesson, but... Um, the problem with Posey is she gets real overtly selfish. I mm-hmm. think it's a weird. Yeah, she does because she's. We forget they don't talk about it a lot. The girls can't start earning money until they are twelve. So in this story, Pauline and Petrova. Uh, I think Pauline becomes fifteen by the end of this book. Petrova is thirteen by the end of this book. But Posey never even becomes twelve in this book. In this timeline, she's never even made it to 12, which is why it's so impressive oh. that she goes to the studio. Okay, so then, so... So the imagine an 11-year-old uh, yeah. saying these things and suddenly becomes, oh, you, yes, yeah, yes, because it's an the, 11-year-old. In, in the movie, she seems closer to, like, 14, 15. Mm-hmm. One of the girls is only a year younger than us in real life, and so I understand that that's something that they do. Is It's easier for someone to play someone younger than yourself than older or around the same age though it is doable for around the same age uh but for some reason people really like to bring someone who is older because they have experienced that and know how to express it better um so you definitely got that expression i did not get the impression that this girl was only 10 or 11 well i think that's a a movie fault as much as anything with the casting yeah so you you asked me what the what my other issue would be i would probably have to say the direction it's not terrible, um, but it's not good either. There are times when character motivations are unclear or when they spoke, it was really hard to understand them. It is That's partly because of the 
quote unquote translation issues between British um, British dialect and English or American dialect. I'll freely admit it. When we watched Sherlock for the first time, I had no idea what anyone was saying until I put on subtitles. I was you hate so subtitles. lost, and I hate subtitles. I'm like. Can we? I, we're, I know we're halfway in. Can we please start over and put on subtitles? I don't know what's going on. But uh, it's, there's a few, that happened quite a few times, and and it's the BBC. It, you can't always expect TV stations to make a good movie. Sometimes they do, and so are like because this apparently was kind of a made-for-TV movie initially. Hmm, I can see that. It's got a Hallmark vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, that's a there's a bit of that. So. Is it the worst direction? No. Is but is it a bit of a product of its time? A bit. It's a slice of life. It's cute, overly cutesy at times. Everything kind of come. Everything kind of works out in its own way. I would say with them having to struggle as long as they do, they. I think that's the crazy thing about this book. When I reread it, I forgot how much of this book is talking about how much money each girl is going to earn, how much they're going to give to Gummy, and how much it takes to keep the house running, and how much it costs to do this and that. Like, the book is half money, half, like, the dilemma of money. And there's not many shows that deal with a family that's, you know, constantly having to figure out how to make those things work. Uh, Gilmore Girls pops to mind, honestly, as a family. Probably shameless. Yeah, where the half of the premise is we have to make it through another week. Wow, can we make that happen? So I feel like the book is a little grown up in that fact or perhaps a sign of the particular times because of what's happening with the war at this point. Either which way, I think that I would be remiss if I didn't say that the book definitely has that flaw, if you call it a flaw, focusing too much on the money issues. Um, but I also would say that it makes it a bit more real and a bit less sunshiny, happy dory like you imply. So then they're overbalancing it then. In Could my be. Mind. I don't want them to be all doom and gloom. I don't want it to be where it's like, you know, desperation. But like, I think what happens is whenever they did trot into the desperation and the doom and gloom, it was a little too much. And then whenever they went sunshine and happiness, they went too much. It's like when they were. I found it mo- most enjoyable whenever it was more so in the middle. So, I, I, again, is it ter- Is it a terrible movie? Is it a terrible rendition? No, it really isn't. It's it's probably a good movie to watch, like with your younger daughters. Like I would say, probably between the ages of you, know, you can even say mid to uh, uh, later teens. To um, I wouldn't show this to a real young. They'll really young, like even uh, before the age of like seven or eight. They'll they probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. But like you know, you have a de- developing young woman. I think it would be a perfect. Um, there was I something like- a little cathartic about watching little Emma Watson being told she's a plank of wood, just a little bit. Such a why Elizabeth? Oh, it wouldn't be because she acted in a live action rendition of a movie that was doomed to fail, Aaron. It couldn't be because of that. But it's there's something a little cathartic, I think, if you have a beef with an actor to see them play a role where they are struggling to learn how to act, and someone gets to tell them off for it, and you're like, yeah, uh, that's yeah. a little bit of justice right there. And like they had this character arc of her, like she kind of almost went through a bit of a roller coaster with how many arcs that she did. Again kind of giving her quote-unquote treatment for that but like she went from 
you know, like, I'd like to act to, oh, I really want to act to, I'm the best thing that's ever happened to the stage since as, anything. As any 13-year-old girl would with a head full of ego getting cast to play a part. I did like that she kind of got her come up and, uh, and this poor character, this poor character, like, the Neville Longbottom of this story, uh, Winifred, kind of keeps getting shit on. Winifred is in the same sort of scenario with her father being in a sanitarium and her family's poor too and that's why she's at the dance academy to earn money for their family um and she is uh, alluded to be more talented more all-around talented than any of the girls you did not get that in her audition though i i'm sorry i i'm i'm as be someone out my ass. as someone who is a dancer talking to someone who ha- is an actor yes we're gonna see all those faults real high if they aren't doing it exactly right like any friend of mine who watches a section of a movie that has a dance sequence in it when it's a ballet dance you can tell immediately if the person was actually trained how to dance if they are a dancer or if they're just playing the part like with the parts with the posy yeah like, if, like, if you she see, definitely looked like she was just going through the motions. weak ankles are an immediate giveaway if you have to pretend to point to dance mm-hmm. and you can tell a wobbly performance real fast i don't think that she had bad training I think that she probably, but I don't think she was a dancer to begin with. Though is what I would suggest. Yeah, it's kind of like with uh, with musicals. You you try to find a singer who can act or an actor who can sing, and it's hard to find that like that perfect person. You've got those people out there who who really can sing and who can really act. You know, like Hugh Jackman or um, uh, Meryl. Well, no, not Meryl Streep. <laughs> no, um, bless her heart. <laughs> bless her heart. She tries. I'm trying to think of another uh, like musically inclined, but there are, that is actually becoming more and more of a norm nowadays. But like back, you know, especially like in high school, you know, for our version of Beauty and the Beast, you know, it's been it's actually been almost exactly ten years to the day since we uh, we stopped doing Beauty and the Beast. So I feel comfortable in saying the girl who did our Belle was a terrible actress. She was a okay singer, and she was not good for our uh, for our production. But uh, the choir director felt like she would be the best fit for everything because she could sing at times. She couldn't sing all the time, but she could sing at times. And our director tried his hardest to get her to act. I remember I was a townsman, uh, uh, a townsperson. And I'm not jealous at all. Uh, <laughs> oh, Aaron, did you want to be Belle? I'm just saying I'd look good in a yellow dress. But <laughs> because I was a town person, during the scene when she's telling off Gaston, uh, during the accusatory scene or the uh, accusation scene, right before like the finale, she's uh, she says the line, he's not the monster, Gaston, you are. I could I had a direct visual path to her. And every single time she said that line, it seemed like she cared about that line less and less and less. And that's supposed to be, like, one of the biggest lines in the damn story. And, like, she did, she also did this thing where she didn't look at him. She looked up beyond him. And, like, I'm just like, just look at him. Come on. Oh, she was terrible. <laughs> Papa, no. I, what happened? Oh, no, Papa. Like, shut up. There's a lot of bitterness here that we're tapping into right now. I'm, I'm surprised I'm more bitter than you are. I think it was <laughs> having tried out for the role of Belle and being 
given a song from the musical, not the movie, that I immediately butchered, I feel like I don't really have a leg to stand on. Could I beat Belle? Yeah. But I probably couldn't sing the best. I uh, I, I practiced uh, Gaston's song, which actually is a really cool uh, uh, addition to the story. Um, I did I practiced Gaston's song instead of the one that they gave me, and I, I butchered it too. So Yeah, I feel like perhaps just being more uh, direct with your auditioners about what they're supposed to prepare would be super helpful. Well, that's the thing. And I knew that was uh, whenever they gave me that, I kind of understood because what they're trying to do is they're trying to get a song or a part of the play that is the most accessible. The song that I did, the the me, the, the, the song titled Me by Gaston in the, the musical is more of a deeper uh, baritone, almost bass song. I have kind of a natural timbre, or my vocal range tends to lean that way. I can do a little bit of tenor or whatever the in between a baritone and a tenor is, but I'm not the best at it. I'm I'm a decent I'm a halfway decent singer. I'm not amazing. I I should not have been Beast. I should not have been Gaston. Um, Maurice, maybe. I was filling your dad roles. Yeah, I thought that was gonna happen. Actually, I was I was understudy for Maurice, wasn't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, but no, I um, someone said I should have been LeFou, and then the guy who got LeFou did a an amazing job. Uh, shout out to uh, oh shit! Oh come on, baby, you know it, Matt Laborde. Oh, there you go. Shout out to Matt. He's not gonna listen to this. He has way too much uh, other stuff to Isn't do. Isn't he a know? ninja now professionally? Like if not, he does like stunts or stuff like that. He's like I, I follow his Facebook every so often. It's pretty awesome. But no, Aaron, he did an amazing we, job. Were we talking about a movie called Ballet Shoes at one point during this podcast? Were we? I don't know. I feel like we were somewhere. Well, why don't we go and give our rating then? Oh boy, you wanted to like jump right to the end of this. You had nothing further to say. <laughs> I, I, that's the that's the thing with this movie. It's not a terrible movie, but it is kind of boring. I, I didn't feel like it was like it, it's this... not worth something you make fun of, but it's not something you lavish praise on either. It's kind of middle of the road. I would agree, but I think for me the important thing is that. This is a slice of life story. There are no action set pieces or car chases or dramatic deaths or it's they tried to they throw tried in a dramatic to. death. Yeah. They tried to and it's, then and then Posey was a little selfish bitch about it. So Yeah. Again, pretend it's an eleven year old and suddenly everything becomes a bit more clear. Yeah, that's why it was tough. I think for me, the thing about this book and this movie that are enjoyable is that it really is just the life of these three orphan girls trying to make their way for their family and then for themselves. Yeah. And it's not supposed to be a crazy action rich story. I didn't I did I, I, I excitement. Did not go in, I did he not said go excitement. Into, uh, I did not go into it thinking that I was gonna see Emma Watson like kill, you know, uh Nazis or something. Boy, that would have been a different movie. Yeah. Ballet Shoes 2, Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> oh my gosh, Aaron. <laughs> For me, it is a really sweet book. I think it has a, a fun innocence to it, and I think that it's supposed to be just that look at these characters' lives. It's not supposed to be a roller coaster. However, I will say for a young girl, it kind of is. All of the emotions that for you 
perhaps because of pacing in the movie, felt yeah. like, oh, like, that was a roller coaster. That was weird. Why that happened? Why this happened for me? When I read the book, every single action and girl's reaction was completely relatable. Even, you know, even at Posey's lesser moments, like, it is relatable at some point. If you've been training for years and years and suddenly the person who is going to take you places is, like, out of commission, there is a part of your brain in any tragedy that's like, how will this affect me? No, I, I understand that. I, I went through something similar to that. Not completely similar, but something close to it. And and I and kinda how I mentioned earlier, this I am not the target audience for this this book, this movie, this story. I am not even close to it. So I, I kind of went into thinking thinking it that way, so that's why I think my criticism isn't as harsh as it could be. Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah, I understand that. Yeah, when Pauline's afraid of everyone being seeing her for a fraud. I totally got that. When Petrova is being pushed to the point where she feels like she will break if she does something like this that she knows is the right thing to do, but it's killing her inside, I got that. Uh, I got uh, Posey feeling like literally no one was paying attention to her because they all thought since she was the littlest, she had nothing that she was going to accomplish. And during all this time, she was accomplishing these really great things that no one knew about. So I find all of them very much relatable. And I like that they didn't just focus on the three girls. They also focused on Nanny and Gunny. Oh, by the way, um, Gum is short for Great Uncle Matthew. And they never say that in the movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, I thought his last name, I thought it was like Richard Gum or something like that. No, they call him, they just called him Gum, and then they called So kind of like Grunkle? Yes. Oh, that's fun. I thought that was cute, too. Uh, Definitely something they didn't explain. Oh, your fun, your fun little tidbit shout out, Vernon Dursley plays Gum. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's so weird, is, is uh, because I, it's hard to remember that, that Harry Potter is something where respected actors and actresses would come to as kind of like to do something fun because in all in this day and age harry potter is like oh if you got into harry potter you could do other things like there's a lot of the actors and actresses who were in that beyond like some of the main and main secondary characters that actually went on to do some very fantastic work like there for a while they were actually trying to have the actor who played uh neville longbottom apparently he was kind of campaigning possibly to be another doctor for Doctor Who. He would be very good at he that. He would be incredible. Let him he would get a be few a more, more soft-spoken one. Let him get a few more years. I bet they'll let him come I, in and I, try. I, I, uh, straight up, I am absolutely in love that who they've got for the 13th Doctor. I I actually kind of want to go back, catch up with the 12th Doctor so I can understand what the hell's going on, <laughs> um, just so I can watch the 13th Doctor. I'm super excited. Female Doctor Who hell yes hashtag hell yes <laughs> oh my god i remember when they announced it everyone lost their shit it was I've, so i've had many terrible i've had many men try to mansplain why the doctor can't be a woman and I, guys in a fantasy sci-fi series literally anything is possible I, I, people have tried to explain that to me too and i just look at them like no you're not going to get me on your side i can promise you there's not going to be a sentence or a paragraph or a goddamn essay that you will get me to read or say to me that will convince me that a, the doctor from Doctor Who has to be male. I don't care if their race technically doesn't have sexes. Then it, then it then doesn't it, matter. It, even more so, it shouldn't matter. And I think if I remember correctly, this actress, I've seen her in something before, and it makes me kind of excited to see what she's going to do. I here. really like her outfit, her jumpsuit. Yeah, it's a lot awesome. of fun. So, um, yes, I, I think 
that, I think that's why my criticisms for this movie is not harsher because I'm not the target audience on this. So okay, it's not terrible. It's not great, but it's not terrible. All right, let's do the plug part before we give our rating. Sure. Then. All right, you can find us on Facebook at Married to the Idea, Twitter at Married Number Two the Idea, Gmail at Married to the Idea Reviews at gmail.com. If you forget any of those links, or if I am not spelling them phonetically enough, <laughs> you can visit our website Married to the Idea or Google it. We have updates every week with new episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. We are also trying new things, uh, as you guys heard uh, at the top of this episode and at the top of the other episode, we uh, we threw in a little bit of music. Uh, that is from binsound.com or, e- or either binsound or binmusic.com. I'm going to put the official credit. Um, we That was kind of a last minute uh, ad- addition on last week's Only episode. Only 30 episodes in, we decided to have some intro music. <laughs> so I had to spice it up a little bit and but, actually edit it too. So, But Aaron's been very excited about getting some better sound quality, better editing to you guys to make listening to us more enjoyable. So It's all been a kudos. lot of fun kind of researching and reaching out. And uh, we re- mentioned that we had a couple people from uh, Reddit listen to us. So again, shout out to them because they've been helping me out. And we're, we're still looking into some things. We still have something decent big coming down the pipeline we just gotta get our asses in gear and put it put it together so as far as feedback uh thank you rich for commenting on our wrinkle in time post about how this movie was the worst movie ever of all year if not all time i uh i i'm 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 waiting to uh hang out with him again to be like why we must know now there's there's so many other bad movies out there like anything 50 shades and you know like the divergent series and like okay uh, so here's my qu- no, that's not my actual question. I'm just like, when, is this Shailene Woodley, the uh, main actress from A Fault in Our Stars and Divergent series? Is this experiment finally over? Can we just admit finally that it was an experiment to try to have this very bland, terrible actress out there and try to put her as like this like explosive heroine who was kind of good looking? Like, I don't know, Aaron. Uh what about some of the people saying, is this Emma Watson experiment over? I hate to admit that you're, you, you, you have a point, but as much as it hurts, I, I, you, you might have a point. Perhaps it's not our because, opinion to that, say which actresses thought, can't exist anymore. That thought came in my head in Tale of Despero. Have, did you ever watch Tale of Despero? The movie, not, not read the book, the, watch the movie. Aaron. I've heard the movie is terrible if you know the book. Perhaps the mo- I didn't we just see the movie. Perhaps the mo- we just found our I next think that's another episode. So episode because I, I don't know if I can sit through it again. That's the problem. Yeah, I hear there's just a lot of like sword fighting with ra- like weird things that do not exist in the book. I don't know how you could bring that book to life, quite honestly, because there's a lot of ugliness in that book because of oh, these they situations the they're in. Believe me, they brought the ugliness. But there's so. an u- ugliness in books versus ugliness in movies yeah. is a very different thing. We'll uh, we'll keep that in mind. Uh, if you guys have suggestions uh, for our uh, for another episode, we would love to hear them. We're taking suggestions, or we would we'll always take suggestions. Um, sometimes that helps us figure out. Oh, we know we want to do this then or something like that. So we have another suggestion. I'm not 100 percent sure if we're going to do or not right now, but um, uh. 
Sorry, excuse me. Um, you got lost in your own ex- ex- exit yeah. outro. And so did you. So, <laughs> all right. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? You can go first. All right. Uh, not a terrible movie, but it's not a great movie by any means. Not great pacing. The acting is okay. Um, sometimes I felt for the character. Sometimes I'm like, I'm, I'm watching a person saying lines. There's some neat shots and there are some bad shots. Uh, so I'm going to go fairly middle, middle of the road, or just a little bit below middle of the road. I'm going to say uh, two, two out of five. Okay. I will say something we haven't said yet is it looks very pretty. The set designer and costume decorator, uh, they really do get the gist of the costuming and ideas from the book. If you have a house that's full of old skeleton bones and you have these girls who are trying to fit into these clothes that don't fit because they're from last season and making new things out of old things. Again, that whole idea of this this poverty line trying to look the part even when you aren't. Uh, I think they did a really good job with that. And I would say, again, like so many book adaptations, unfortunately, it leaves you in the dust if you haven't read the book. And there's a couple that do it well. Lord of the Rings comes to mind. Harry Potter comes to mind. The first few Harry yeah. Potters. And I feel that this one suffers the problem of the first five minutes are a blur if you haven't read the book and you just are counting the characters like, oh, I know this one and this one and she showed up and they showed up. Good, good. For a non-initiated, it's probably just as intimidating as walking into the Digimon movie. Uh, wow. Deep cuts there. And deep <laughs> cut on me, too. Oh, boy. I would say that, again... I actually would say this is similar to Wrinkle in Time, just because I think it's a good book to adapt. I think the characters are compelling for their faults, and even if it is a little contrived, I do like that everyone gets a happy ending. That's fun for me. I enjoy that. Pretty much everyone, except for like Winifred, gets a happy ending. So I, yeah, poor Winifred. Oh, poor Winifred. Uh, so I would say a. 2.5 mil of the road for me as well. So that'll give us with the Ballet Shoes movie, 2007, a 4.5 out of 10. All right, Liz, before we, uh, before we sign off, I have to ask, book or movie? Book. Oh, what a surprise. Aaron, I don't know why you keep asking me this question. No, I, no, no, I, I, I seriously want to ask, I, I need to ask these questions because our, our listeners demand it. I feel like our listeners will know by now that no movie is ever going to get me to release my stranglehold on the w- written word. Well, there might be a movie coming out that might be better than the book itself, so... We will uh, we will end there. So uh, until next time, we uh, really appreciate you listening. Be sure to subscribe and uh, like our page if you haven't already. Share and share a like. But until then, she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.